Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Drop-In Morning Show with the Teach Better team, where we are live every single morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern. We have so much in store for you this morning. It is Wednesday, March 30th. We are celebrating our dear, dear friend Joshua Stamper on a brand new course in the Academy, all about his Aspire to Lead book. We also, of course, have a new guest on the show. We have good news articles. We have holidays that we'll be celebrating and We'll have a lot of discussion. One of my favorite parts about Wednesday is our show will conclude with a recommendation on other resources you can turn to for guidance. So we have a whole lot to get to. Please make sure you go fill up your coffee cup. Let's get ready for our morning this morning. And we'll be right back. everyone. Happy, happy Wednesday. It's good to see you. If you are listening live with us as we stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn, we are thrilled that you're here. We'd love to see those comments in the morning. If you are listening after the fact on Teach Fire Talk podcast, then good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, we're thrilled you're here. We have a brand new guest with us that I'm so excited to not only introduce to all of you, but also learn from myself. Lainey, would you mind introducing yourself? Absolutely. Thank you. First off, thanks for having me. And I'm just excited to get to chat with you for an extended period of time, right? Yes. We briefly chat before, but this will be great. Um, Lainey Rao, I'm an educator, uh, author, podcaster, and consultant. And I work um, all over. And I also, like my biggest client is Orange County Department of Education. So just have tons of great experiences working with my peers and with kids and just, again, happy to be here with you. Oh, it's so good. You and I have had so many interactions where we've been like in the same room or passing by each other, but never being able to actually like talk shop, sit down uninterrupted and really learn each other's story and work and message. So I guess I'm like selfishly very appreciative that you came on the show because I know our Teach Better community is going to resonate with all the work that you do because I know that you are, we have so many friends in common and we do such important work to support the field of education. But selfishly, I'm just appreciative that you're here because I'm really excited to talk shop with you. So thank you for waking up bright and early. Oh, the feeling's mutual and I'm happy to do it. And yes, mutual friends, Josh Stamper. I love him. Um, I'm just so excited for all the things he's doing. So Yeah, you know, it's amazing. I feel like he is always working on different projects. He does so much work to, again, better the field of education. It's always good to have good people around you. He joined the Teach Better team just about a year ago, maybe a little longer. I have no idea. But either way, the team has drastically improved since he's been a part of that. And he runs our podcast network. So when his book came out just recently, now we're excited this morning to launch his book study in the Teach Better Academy. So for those of you that are listening, if you haven't been over to the Teach Better Academy before, you can head over there. You can grab not only his book, but also participate in his Aspire to Lead book study, which I know if you know Josh, you know it's going to be good, right? 
Absolutely. I'm an endorser of that book. So absolutely. I'm a huge Josh fan and I would definitely get on board any projects he's he's in. <laughs> well, see, so fitting. And for those of you who maybe don't know Joshua Stamper, which t- guess what? Today's your very lucky day. You get to meet him. Or um, if you have not gotten an opportunity to really dive deep into that book, he'll actually be live with Jeff Gargas later this afternoon talking about the new book study. So we just want to send a big congrats out to Josh. So exciting. So can you tell us a little bit about like the work that you do? Obviously you're a podcaster, you work with educators all the time. What's, what's the topics that you specifically focus on? Oh, that's a great question. And I feel like it's evolved over, over years. And so I kind of got my start. Well, first of all, I went into education. I, my, my goal was to become a special educator. I wanted to go into that, into that area. And then I ended up getting hired at a school that had not a lot of technology, but had new technology. And I got really interested in how technology could actually help meet the needs of all learners. And I kind of really dived into that. I ended up, um, I was a classroom teacher, and then I ended up working uh, in a district leadership position for about six years. And then at some point, Apple came to me and asked if I wanted to join their consulting team. So I ended up working for Apple for a few years. And I also did some work for Q at that time. And then I just kind of evolved into really focusing on inquiry-based learning, social-emotional learning. And so like, I have a very wide range of topics right now. (laughs) So just anything that I think is going to help kids, help my peers. That's kind of the stuff I'm into. But I think that that is such a perfect space to be in an education. Education is constantly evolving. And I just had a conversation yesterday about an educator that was trying to find their niche. Like that was their goal. And I think it's so interesting that you're saying, no, I mean, I don't really have a niche per se. I do a lot of things in a lot of spaces, but with this overarching goal of I want to make sure that we're reaching every learner. So whether that be through differentiation with technology, without technology or anything in between, we want to make sure everybody is supported. Yeah. And I would encourage anyone who's listening to really lean into that being open to evolving because a lot of the work that I do is stuff that I, I mean, I never thought I was going to be an educator. I wasn't actually a good student. I was a good learner, but not a good student. I didn't think I'd be an educator. And then I did uh, a keynote for Alan November back in, I think it was 2015. He asked me to speak on professional learning, which I thought was kind of odd because I did professional learning, but I didn't actually speak about professional learning. And sure. so it, it ended up leading to writing a book on professional learning, Evolving Learner with Christy Andre and Lauren Steinman. So a lot of people are always like, how did you get to do what you do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not very good at saying no. That's a big part of it. But well, yeah. you meet people, they give you ideas, and then you have to decide if you're going to say no. And typically you don't. So you get in more involved in a new project you didn't expect to be involved in. I love that. Exactly. I will say I've gotten better at saying no, especially if it doesn't, you know, really speak to what I'm most passionate about. But, um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm up to try new things. So, well, I know a lot of our our educator, our community are going to have more questions for you. Obviously, in our brainstorm bank section, we not only love to talk shop about topics you're passionate about, but also extend an invitation to our community to ask questions as well. So, lots there. I can only imagine our community be inter- being interested in what you're. Um, experience was like working for Apple that always seems to be so cool. And Q is such a great team as well. So there's a lot of good stuff to learn there. I don't want to skip over though, the books and the podcast. So tell me a little bit about if I go and search out or seek out 
you know, your book or the podcast that you're with, what am I going to find? So Evolving Learner actually had um, an interesting launch date. It was March 13th of 2020. And so, no, no. literally, yeah. In, in fact, it's funny. If you go on Amazon and you look at Evolving Learner, I've always laughed about this. It says the release date was March 24th. No, I held the book in my hand on the 13th. You could order it on the 13th and the world was falling apart on the 13th. Like world knocked off its axis. So it was a really surreal day because it was something that we had, you know, I had been thinking about writing that for a really, really, really long time. And then Lauren Simon and Christy Andre, we'd all worked on it for years to have it come to fruition and then have it be like, oh, that's not important right now. Like this, there's other things more important going on in the world. It was a bit odd. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the 13th, at least here in Chicago, that's when everything shut down. That's when there were all these unknowns. I want to say there were so many unknowns that we didn't know that school was shutting down, but we knew that school probably wasn't happening, but no one knew why or how. Oh my God. Yeah. The 13th is, is so funny. Wow. What a date. What a date. It was a date. And and I mean, the 13th, I remember that that was a day I had meetings at Orange County Department of Ed. And I vividly remember sitting in a meeting and they're like, they just called it in LA. San Diego's next. Okay. We're going to, it's, it's happening today. We're shutting down. And I was like, I was, it was just still surreal. And I happened to be doing a project with the health education team. So I really had a lot of questions and they, they had some answers, but not a lot of people had answers. So, but that book is about professional learning. The big idea is shifting from what, and I, and this is, I know some people think this is just semantics, but like an intentional shift from what we would think of as traditional PD to professional learning. And so, you know, how can we be learner driven and how can we do that through learning from kids, peers, and the world? So that's kind of the organization of that. So that was like my that was like my long-term like big project. I was so excited for it to launch. It actually, we got lucky. Um, I don't know if lucky is the right word because we did work really hard on this, but actually learning forward picked it up and ended up being um, a co co-publishing it and they picked it up for their book club. So there were some wins. It was just not a typical rollout. And it, it's it, the people who've read it are really enjoying it. And so we're I will say, Lainey, I, I also published a book in 2020. And I do feel like and anybody who published a book between like March, literally March 13th. So wow, you're at the very, very top of that. Kind of all the way through the end of 2020, there were so many different texts that really can support educators, but educators were not looking to be consumers at that point in time. There was so much stress and we were all experiencing it. Really this unknown, you almost didn't necessarily want to lean into being a learner. So I always love to encourage like myself, but also my friends to say, okay, if you're looking for a book, don't just find a book that was published in 2022. Let's go back. Like what came out in 2020 and what came out in 2021? Because as you know, books take years to develop. And the topics are still very, very, very much relevant, you know, even more so in some cases, depending on the topic itself. And so a book that came out in 2020 was written in 2019. So, you know, there's just so many different perspectives to look at there. So I want to encourage everybody to go check that out and not miss a great resource just because our ourselves and our personal lives were distracted by, you know, other very major yeah. topics. Well, yeah, and I remember some friends being like, well, the book's called Evolving Learner. We're definitely all evolving right now. And it, and it actually is um, really, really great that the book completely stayed relevant. 
um, yeah, it was just a tough time. The interesting, the other thing that was kind of interesting was I have a background in online and blended learning. So it just so happened that the district that I was in um, for 15 years actually did a, a kind of an interesting way of getting funded where it, they didn't get paid by, excuse me, but butts in the seat. So they had actually, you know, kind of gone kind of as the leaders into online learning many, many years ago, having some online courses that they offered their students. And so I got involved in that. And I ended up actually helping write the National Standards for Quality Online Teaching and the Blended Learning Competencies. So I, I had some some, you know, some familiarity with this topic. Now, of course, this was emergency remote. It was, um, you know, not what what I was used to with, you know, high quality online. This was kind of, we were all pivoting and just doing our best. So it was a real weird time where those kind of two worlds collided because they've always been very separate for me. I've had my online learning family over here and my more brick and mortar family over here. So it was kind of a convergence where I had to like, okay, well, that's, what we've done pre-pandemic, but that that's all that took us years to get to. We're not going to get everyone there overnight. And so it was nice to have that background to like strip away as much as I could and just focus on like what's the most essential thing for these amazing educators who are being put into this situation that they did not ask for. How can we take what we do know and actually make that apply? So it was an all around interesting experience for everyone, right? Sounds so interesting. I know we're going to be able to dive into this even further as we get into a number of different topics, but it's so interesting that you had these two extremes where you more or less knew the research and the background of what idealists, I, like in a perfect world, it would look like and trying to find that perfect medium and middle for so many educators that were just trying to support kiddos at a, at a moment's notice, which is obviously the world that we've all been living in over the past few years. So much good conversation here. Uh, I do want to transition really quickly. And if you don't mind, we usually document a moment of gratitude, something that we're appreciative of. We use an app called Happy Feed, which is a free app that we can encourage our community to go utilize. It is definitely built for us to not only document moments of gratitude, but also revisit those moments of gratitude in a number of different creative ways, you know, days, weeks, months, years later, which is kind of fun to be able to curate our moments here on the Daily Drop-In. For you, Lainey, if I was to ask you something that you are grateful for, uh, what comes to mind? I would say, I mean, there's so many, and I, I don't even think I've had a chance to tell you this, but my next book is actually Evolving with Gratitude. So this is a big topic for me. <laughs> I do I do love this topic of gratitude. And so I think um, I, have a, I have a long, long list, but I would say that for me, what I'm most gra grateful for right now in, in my educational field is my peers. And I think that the, the ability to have this support system where when I have questions, I have people I can reach out to who can help me. And I'm just very, very grateful to be in a profession where the people that I work with are so passionate, so dedicated, and it really gives me purpose. It makes me feel inspired. And so I'm just very, very grateful to my peers. I don't, I don't know that every profession gets to say that, but I am truly grateful. Oh, I think that's such a wonderful reminder. I am so grateful for my peers. I think that is such a good kind of like mindset to not only share our gratitude for, but also walk into the day with as that reminder on a Wednesday morning. So, so good. We're going to transition here into our good news and um, some holidays that we have today. So we'll be right back.
morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Daily Drop-In Morning Show. I know that as we're getting started on a very, very, very early Wednesday, we're excited to be here not only to bring a new guest to you to add to your PLN, but also get into other conversations, some good news, and obviously some celebration. Lainey, I know earlier we noted that we are currently celebrating Joshua Stanford and his new book study in the Teach Better Academy, but in addition to it being Joshua Stanford Day, which I think <laughs> can officially claim. We also have some other holidays, um, some goofy holidays, some fun holidays that are really good to be acknowledged, you know, to acknowledge whether it be because it gives us an excuse to eat a sweet treat or it gives us some insight of what our community might be celebrating. So are you up for celebrating something with us? Please bring it. All right. So there are a lot of holidays today, but there are definitely some ones worth noting. One is that it is World Doctors Day. Talk about a day to be appreciative of all of our doctors. Thank you, doctors. Yeah, it's so good. It's also a Little Red Wagon Day and National I'm in Control Day. Any thoughts on those two? Um, I can control my little red wagon. I don't know. know. That's interesting. Like, yeah. Why not? Right? Everyone loves a good little red wagon. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe very special to all those teachers out there. It is officially the day of the pencil. Did you know that one pencil can write up to 45,000 words? We are celebrating pencil day today. Well, 45,000 words. That's, that's a, that's a big book actually. Yeah. All right. That's a really big book. We all need to, to use our pencils to write down our thoughts and our, our questions, our ideas. Interesting perspective on what we were talking about earlier. It's national virtual vacation day. What type of virtual vacation would you go on? Ooh, that's a hard one. You know, we have not been, I mean, I still travel. Um, I didn't for about a year, but I've been back to traveling for work. Uh, but it's, it's still definitely us. And I think I would really want to go New Zealand, Australia. Like, I mean, honestly, I want to go there real, but I mean, maybe virtual, just a little quick, like preview where I'm going to go once I get there in real life. I would love to preview my vacations in virtual reality before going. Think about like the stress level would be down. You'd know what streets to turn on and where to grab your bag. And I think that would be so good. I I don't know that I think of a virtual vacation as an option very often, but hey, today's the day. It's also take a walk in the park day, um, turkey neck soup day, and world bipolar day. So lots to be able to not only encourage us to be out and about, but also be aware and learn about those in our communities. Really, really good. Very nice. Um, our good news article today I thought was really interesting. Lainey, I'm not sure your perspective on this, but are you ever a fan of like artwork? Are you an art person? I, I don't consider myself an expert, but I am a fan. Yes. Okay. Because I consider myself a fan and not an expert in the least, but I do appreciate, you know, beautiful paintings. I like being in beautiful environments. So I don't know if that makes me artsy or not. I, I, yes, I say yes. Perfect. Well, if you're saying yes, then I appreciate that. This is actually a really interesting article that I thought would be fun to not only bring to our friends as conversation starters in the morning, we're always trying to foster relationships with those that we work with day to day, but also possibly bring to your students, depending on what might interest them. The headline says, guess who's curating a new art exhibit in the Baltimore Museum of the Arts? The answer is, is that it's their staff of security guards. So for those of you 
who have never been to an art museum, um, this art museum, when you curate an art exhibit, it means that you get to choose the art that will be displayed. And then all together, it makes obviously an exhibit. They actually took their security guard staff and asked them to choose what pieces they love the most over uh, the last year. And those pieces will be featured in a very special exhibit. It says here, security guards at the Baltimore Museum of Art get asked a lot of questions on an average day, but most of them have to do with, excuse me, where is the bathroom? Or I'm sorry, where is the impressionist wing? Or how do I get to the lobby? But as their um, group got together, they actually decided to ask our security guards to do more than just provide directions and security, but actually get together the artists that they really found the most connection with. They went through how they went about this, but essentially there were 17 members of this staff that were able to curate this exhibit. They went actually all the way back to February 2020, which was farther back than I thought, and they were able to choose pieces. It was over 95,000 different pieces that they could choose from. They're only going to display um, about 1,500 at a time, and the guards will have full autonomy over choosing what artwork they most connect with, which I thought was so interesting. I love that so much. Well, first of all, I assume for security guard, it's a prerequisite that you're pretty, you're good at paying attention. Like, yes, I would So yeah. I would assume that that is something they are very good at, is, is seeing what's out there and, and actually noticing. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of like, um, maybe an unsung hero, although I sing their praises all the time, like on campuses is our custodians and how they're probably noticing things that we wouldn't notice. They have a different perspective. And so how interesting it would be to maybe ask our custodians, like what is what are some of the favorite things they've seen in classrooms on the walls? And what is some of the, the student work that they think is most exceptional? I think that would be kind of fun. Well, and I love your your uh, evaluation of the fact that they're paying attention to probably different things than 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 the mass public are. I mean, I might I might think, oh, I really love that painting because I love it, and maybe I'm drawn to it. But the their focus and their role is to say, actually, there's a huge collection of people that constantly go to this painting. Maybe that's something that I want to feature because I saw a lot of people paying attention to it. Yeah. Similar to our custodians, as they walk down the hallways and keep our school so safe and healthy, they're constantly thinking through, gosh, I see students really enjoying this frequently, or I get to see teachers enjoying this frequently. And so they might see something a little bit different from a different perspective. That's so, so cool. Yeah. I also love the community element, right? Bringing in those that we care about to lend their opinion and to also be a part of the experience, I think is such a wonderful highlight for this morning. So shout out to an art museum in Baltimore. Have you been to Baltimore before, Lainey? I don't. Oh, wait. No, I probably have. So I have a little bit of a, of a challenge in that I often am in places for just like one night. You probably have this too. And so I know I've been to Baltimore for work, but honestly, it, sometimes it's just such a blur. It's like I land and it's dark out. I go to a hotel, I get up, I'm going to the campus, and then I'm heading back to the airport after. So I know sometimes it's that. I know airports. Like I can, oh, I remember, the, yeah, that was the time I was in the Miami airport. Uh, but I don't always remember which city I was in for that particular school. It's no, that's that means that means first of all that you need a vacation. So we're gonna figure out a way to get you a vacation. But also, it's one of those moments where you land and you walk through the airport and you look around. And you're like, oh, I've been here before. I know this yeah. one. Yep, yeah. it's occupational hazard for sure. 
I love it. We're going to transition here into our brainstorming segment. For those of you who are familiar with the show, this is a time where we're able to ask our audience not only if they have any topics that they want to see discussed, but also, Lainey, we'd love to get into discussing more about your passion space and topics that you really want to ensure our educators here in the Teach Better community get to learn about. So we'll be right back. Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, March 30th, and we are so thrilled to continue our conversation with Lainey. Lainey, you've been able to share so much, not only about your book that came out in 2020. Well, I don't think we even got into your podcast, which we have to talk about. And I love hearing about your background where you have this overarching goal of just wanting to make sure that all students are supported and being able to use different avenues to ensure that that is occurring in the schools that you're able to support and work in on a consistent basis. I also really want to get into the new book that's coming out. I know we're a few months away, but talk about a topic that's extremely relevant to our Teach Better community. We've been talking a lot about it a lot, and it sounds like a great resource that we can have kind of documented on our calendar to keep an eye out for. So when you think of kind of the work that you're doing. I know there's a variety of topics that you are passionate about, but why was this most recent book the topic that you chose? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and I can even just, I can even touch on the podcast too, because there's definitely like a, a sequence of events that that all led to it. So, you know, like we talked about the book that came out, that was just craziness. Um, and actually I had met Bree Hodges, who we have, a, that's our Friend in, another friend in common. We have a lot of friends in common. Um, I had met her in December 2019 at a Future Ready event. Uh, Tom Murray is a friend, and I had gone down there to check in with him. Um, and and so we got to talking, and you know, it was just hey, let's keep in touch. No, no big, no big deal. And then, you know, March of 2020 happens, and Bree reached out, and she's like hey, I've seen some of the things you're posting. It looks like you've got this all figured out. And I'm like, okay, so confession, that is faulty. Um, I advertising, I have not figured anything out, but it was an opportunity to start a conversation. And so we ended up talking for, I think the first time, like two hours. And I'm like, Brie, I just really love talking to you. And I think it's like, kind of like therapy for me to like hear your thoughts and to bounce ideas off of you. And like, what if we like turn this into a podcast? And so, you know, the book is like, you know, you're an author. It's a highly curated, you, you spend so much time on it. There's rounds and rounds of revision. And I had just done that. And then it came out at not a great time. And so now I was like, I want something that's more flexible. I want a, a medium where I can kind of, and, and of course, very unpolished as I can be, uh, just share my thinking, ask some questions. And Brie was like, okay. And so we started Lemonade Learning, which she came up with the name, which of uh, I love Lemonade Learning, the name. And it was just kind of the idea of, you know, taking those lemons and turning it into lemonade, which our our, our profession did, our educators did. We, we rose to the occasion the turnaround on, you know, people making sure that kids were fed, that they were educated was just nothing short of miraculous. And so we wanted to have conversations kind of working through all of everything as it developed. And so that was what started that. And our first guest, we weren't going to do guests. We ended up bringing Katie Novak in and like, she's, she's singing Beyonce in like the first 90 seconds. It's quite, it's, it's by the way, still the number one episode. <laughs> You have Katie Novak singing. 
think I don't know how you can beat that. So I love it. So as this podcast kind of came to be, is it something that then helped evolve into the continuous work that you went into? And then obviously with the book, or did you find that this was just a space for you to be reflective? I, I asked that because our goal this week is about how our language can affect our outcomes. And I can only imagine the impact of language in a podcast format. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I will say this is so we're, we're unscripted. Uh, we have, we have guests on and we just kind of have conversations as you do. And then I do the, the behind the scenes, like I do the editing and get, make sure it gets transcribed. I'm not like hand typing it. There's an automated service, but I like go through. So that was really helpful to me to kind of process again out of the live moment, but actually go back and listen to it. And so that was really helpful. And really just podcasting has kind of been a theme throughout the pandemic for me. And then kind of a turning point was George Kuros invited me on his podcast. Uh, I think I was on in February of last year, February of 2021. We like hit it off right away. Now, I've heard other people say they're his new bestie after they've been on, which is hurtful because I kind of thought I was special, but okay. And uh, But we really have become great friends and um, I know his whole family and they're just like lovely people. But as part of that, like getting to know each other over time, eventually George was like, I have this idea for Because of a Teacher. And I was like, ooh, I love this. And so he was very kind. He invited me to write a chapter for Because of a Teacher. I actually wrote, it's three sections. It's There's a because of a teacher section, there's an administrator section and um, advice to your first year self. And I got to write about an administrator who was life changing. She really put me on a path of education leadership. And so it's basically a love letter to her, which is showing my gratitude. Right. <laughs> and so so I ended up um, I do write for Edutopia. I ended up writing uh, an article on gratitude in August of last year. And I just couldn't stop thinking about this topic. I just really wanted to talk more about gratitude. And then um, at some point in the fall, I remember texting George Kuros and Paige Kuros. And I'm like, I want to say more about gratitude. And they're like, okay, tell us more. And then before I knew it, I had a contract for the next book. And I, I don't like to do um, things by myself. I really like to collaborate. So it is my book, but I did bring in, uh, there's 20 educators who share 18 stories and Joshua Stanford is one of them. So he wrote a beautiful, a beautiful vignette and I'm very excited to share it. Oh, I think it'll be so wonderful to not only hear your voice, your perspective, your story on this, but also I love the opportunity to bring in diverse educators from all different backgrounds to be able to feature them in this special in this special text. I think Josh is always somebody that people turn to when they're looking for insight, reflection, and guidance. But this sounds like a great topic. I can only imagine all the educators that you got involved in that project. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, all, I, little little behind the scenes, I invited these, these 20 educators. Two of them pair up. Uh, and I kind of thought they wouldn't all get it done because, you know, life happens. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot for, you know, I'm going to swing for the fences. I'm going to ask all of these people to write stories and then maybe half of them will. And they right. all did. <laughs> it, was, it was really helpful to me because I can, I can be long-winded in writing sometimes. I try not to be. Edutopia is helping me with that because it's 750 words. So I'm learning to be more concise, but I really wanted to make space in the book for those stories. So Two thirds of it is me talking about the why and how and 
all the benefits and things like that. You know, where do we bring this into education? How can we practice gratitude with kids? How can we practice gratitude with the peers? And how can we practice it with the world? And then sprinkled throughout our stories from our peers. So we've got Naomi Toland, who is a preschool head preschool teacher in New Zealand. We've got teachers from all over the world in different roles, administrators, um, district office people. We've got just a, a bunch of variety. So it was really fun to hear all the different ways that people are bringing gratitude into their practice as an educator. You know, our focus this week being on language and how language can really affect kind of the work that we do, the outcomes we see. Obviously, with the podcast, with the book, with the work you're doing, I'm confident that language has come up and, and has been relevant. How do you see that connection? Well, I mean, you can actually, I can directly connect it to to gratitude and that there's, you know, different ways that we express gratitude. So there's um, there's verbal gratitude, obviously. We can, we can do it that way. There's concrete gratitude, which is maybe more about gifts. And then there's uh, connective gratitude, which is more about like, you know, maybe to do with friendship or acts of kindness or things like that. So I've definitely been thinking about, you know, where language fits into gratitude and our work. And and I, I'll bring it back to Josh again, because one of the reasons I, I really wanted, aside from him just being amazing, but I really wanted his story in the book is because he talks about um, the five, it's, it's a you know, take on the five love languages. That author wrote another book about appreciation in the workplace. And so Josh really leans into that and shares his experience with that and the things that he's done. Because, you know, we, we know what we like, but it's really important to hear what other people like. So some people are going to love gratitude through words of affirmation. That's going to be everything to them. So yeah, with and, and again, back to just language in general, you know, gratitude is a very personal thing. And the way that I experience and express gratitude is going to be different from you, Ray, and from Josh and from all of our listeners. And so it was really important to have those stories so we could hear what other people really thought about, you know, how am I experiencing expressing gratitude? So yep, language is a definite part of it. And it actually even, sorry, I'll just say one more thing, doing the research for the book, um, the research is like the reason that, that you're encouraged to do a gratitude journal or to in some way use your language is because that is how you make it more concrete for yourself. And so that's, you know, either you're saying it out loud or you're journaling it or in some way capturing it. That's how you really get to kind of make meaning of it. Mm -hmm. So good. You know, I want to make sure that our community is constantly hearing and consuming different suggestions, but also able to take action in, 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 in the work that they're doing. So whether it be a challenge for later today or a challenge for later this week, Lena, I'd love for you to think through some sort of call to action or a little challenge for our community to kind of consider putting moments of gratitude or intentional language into their day. As you think about how you want to challenge our community, I do want to remind our community that the Teach Better conference proposals are open. So as you're thinking about these topics of every single morning, a different guest sharing their passion space, especially Lainey, you've shared so much today about language and gratitude. There's so many educators out there that have their passion space that they have the opportunity to share as well. And you can absolutely choose to share that 
by submitting a proposal to the Teach Better Conference to be a speaker. We just announced two more speakers in our lineup on Monday, and we are so excited to hopefully add so many of you to this incredible list. We'll be right back featuring the two new speakers, Tom Shimmer and Allison Epsi, that we just announced, and obviously getting into, Lainey, this incredible challenge that you'll have for our community. We'll be right back. to be able to celebrate this morning. Lainey, I cannot wait to hear what challenge you have for our Teach Better community this morning to continue to be more intentional. What are your thoughts? So I, you know, I'm going to stick with the gratitude theme. I definitely think that's where I would, I would lean into. And so I would encourage um, everyone to find a way to experience or express gratitude. So I would say if it could be, you know, there's even little things. There's a principal that was telling me that she walks around with a post-it pad. And when she sees something great, she'll stick it on the teacher's desk as she's doing a walkthrough. Now, let me preface this, that she has an, a culture where you can do that. And it's not like the teacher's in the middle of a lesson and then sees a post-it getting dropped and thinks they're in trouble. They know it's going to be a, a note of gratitude. And so I think that's really helpful. In fact, that principal had such a great response from doing that, that she actually started leaving them on kids' desks. And then the kids will actually, you know, parents have said, oh, your post-it note's on our refrigerator. We look at it every day. We love it so much. So whether you're an administrator, whether you're in the classroom, you know, I use the three signature practices for SEL. So welcoming inclusion activity, engaging strategies, and optimistic closure. So if you're in the classroom or leading professional learning, I would encourage you to make gratitude one of those things. So it can be a welcoming inclusion activity. It can be an optimistic closure. Um, and it's interesting because you can you can get benefits of gratitude from both experiencing it, but also expressing it. And when we do it in a communal way where we all get to share what we're grateful for, um, and it can just be a quick like whip around, um, we, we all get the benefits of not only experiencing what we felt the gratitude for, but we actually get to experience it through those, those who are expressing gratitude as well. So I think any way that we can bring, it doesn't have to be a big, big amount of time, um, but just do that or do a shout out, get on social media and give someone some love, find something that they've done and promote it. So that would be love it. Such a good challenge. Yeah. yeah, so good. Lainey, I know we're going to be encouraging everyone to connect with you on social media as well. So there's going to be a lot of, of educators hopefully taking this challenge and then maybe they'll be tagging you in their posts. You could see that they're that they're taking on this challenge. I love it. Absolutely. And if they if they want to put in evolving with gratitude, I would love that as a hashtag. And then I will hopefully get to, to check that. Oh, Rochelle, I, I see she's joined and you know, she is a, that is a busy, busy woman. That is a busy woman. So I don't think she sleeps. I have no evidence that she actually sleeps, but thanks for being here, Rochelle. Always Maybe fun to see our friends in the comments. So good. We're in transition here at the last segment. It is Wednesday. You know, this is my favorite. We love to share recommendations. And while Lainey, I love 
that you were able to give us a call to action of something that we can take on as a challenge ourselves. We also want to ensure that we're being learners. So let's get into some resources. everyone. Thank you for being an active participant in our show. You know that you can always be a consumer for the daily drop in morning show, but we always love to see those comments. So shout out to Rochelle and Lori and Aaron who are participating in our comments this morning. We, as we wrap up our show on Wednesdays, love to have recommendations we love. And Lainey, this is just an opportunity to say, hey, if you have heard a topic that you know that interests you and you want to continue to explore more, what resources are accessible for us to turn to? You have already shared so many different resources for our crew, but if you had kind of a go-to resource or a go-to spot where you can continue to be a learner, Lainey, what can you recommend for us? So I try and think about like the different ways that people like to access content. So the multiple means. So I would say um, if you want articles, I would check out the Greater Good Science Center and they have a whole like you can actually just click on gratitude and they have a whole section dedicated to gratitude where you can find a bunch of different articles. They also have the Science of Happiness podcast. So if you're an audio person and you want to check that out, there's multiple gratitude episodes there. I'm also because I'm I'm a little partial to podcasts, so I'm going to throw one more podcast out there. Lori Santos, The Happiness Lab is a great podcast. Um, so I would I would check those things out if there's, because I know I've spent some time talking about gratitude. Obviously, it's a passion of mine and a big focus. And so I would love, and Laurieann, I see your comment there. I would love to chat. So please connect with me. But yeah, I would, I would offer up the Greater Good Science Center. They even have an education section. Uh, but I think that you'll find a ton of articles and practices there. And, and then a couple podcasts for you too. Is that good? It. Did I yes. get enough resources? <laughs> so good. So many resources. And I love the focus on different modalities as well as we all continue to consume in different ways. Maybe it just is a preference that you carry in your life or it's a preference maybe based on the day or the time of day. So always good to have different means to continue to be a learner. Lainey, I do want to make sure that everybody in our Teach Better community connects with you because I know that you have so much more to share. You have so many resources and it's only going to continue to have more resources for our community to learn from. So how can everybody stay connected to you? Yeah, so um, I am blessed to have a unique name and that makes it wonderful. It means I didn't have trouble getting a domain name, laneyrell.com. It uh, does mean it's a little challenging to sometimes spell. So it's L-A-I-N-I-E and then Rowell like Powell. Uh, so laneyrowell.com, I'm on all the socials at laneyrowell. You will find me most on Twitter and Instagram, to be honest. That's where I spend most of my time. And um, I just started at the behest of uh, Dave Burgess and both him, George Kuros. They really encouraged me to do an e-newsletter. So I finally started that. So you can hit that subscribe button on my website and I will send you some, some hopefully helpful information. I try and keep it concise, but I'm always happy to share kind of as I'm evolving and learning. So I would love to connect with people. Please reach out. 
So, so important. Please continue to add people to your professional learning network. And also, there's so much out there to consume and learn and question. So just continue to be an active learner. Lainey, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your insight. You've shared an abundance of resources. I just cannot wait for our Teach Better community to continue to ask you questions and connect with the work that you're doing, because I know that you are a very, very well-educated educator. So I really appreciate you. I'm trying. And I will, okay, you want, I can give you a, a little reveal, something I haven't announced anywhere, but I'm just feeling brave. And I think I'll just say it here. I love so it. I'm actually starting an Evolving with Gratitude podcast. And Woo. so I feel like I've done a, a good portion of talking here. So maybe, maybe Ray, you would be willing to come on the Evolving with Gratitude podcast and we can have you share some of your gratitude practices. And I obviously you're doing them all the time. So love to hear more about that. I am always up for a future conversation. Don't be silly. Anytime you want to talk shop, whether it be in a podcast or even just a phone call, sign me up. So okay. lady, it's been so fun getting to know your background and your really your passion space. And I you know that any project coming up, I'm going to unfortunately have to say yes to. So I'm excited for that. Fortunately for me, we have, I, I haven't done anything yet, but it's coming. So just consider that your, your official invite and I'll, I'll put it in an email at some point, but I'd well, love to have you on. It'd be great. I can't wait to see all the, the work that I know goes on behind the scenes. If there's anything that we can do to support you, you have to let me know. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. And uh, I look forward to connecting with the Teach Better team more often. Uh, so fun. For everyone here, please, please, please go connect with Lainey, the work that she is doing. And of course, all of the mutual friends. Special shout out to all the educators that continue to stay connected so we can all be better. As a very, very, very big celebration today, we also want to send our love to Joshua Samper. Joshua Samper just published his first course in our Teach Better Academy, and we are so excited to celebrate his book study on the Aspire to Lead book. I'm apparently going to go take care of these two fur balls that are jumping up on my chair bright and early this morning. Apparently, it's time to go, but we appreciate all of you here, and we hope you all have just the most incredible Wednesday, March 30th. So thanks, friends. See you later. Thank you.